Good morning, everybody. If you hear a word, you usually straight away associate it with something. If I say sweet, you'd probably think, hmm, honey, sugar. If I say bitterness, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Sour. Something that's not nice. If I go into the word of God and and the word of God starts to talk about bitterness, it's talking about something that's not very nice. In Ephesians 4, verse 31, Paul talks about bitterness. And... We've been going through a whole series of different things that we need to put off. And one of those things, according to Paul, is bitterness. In Ephesians 4, I better get Ephesians, not Matthew. Ephesians 4, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. We live in the age of rage, if I can put it that way. It doesn't matter when you turn on the TV, the radio, you, you hear about something that's happening just about every morning. Uh, there's been crimes committed, young kids vandalising, stealing, domestic violence. This is the outcome of something that's going on in their lives. And often it's the outcome of bitterness. Social bad behaviour, crime, youth offending. People have unresolved resentment and anger over some issue or event which they dwell on. And over time leads to bitterness which adversely affects their lives and the lives of others. We all face situations where we could be bitter. But how we deal with those situations determines what our life looks like, determines the outcome. I want to keep today's lesson very practical and simple and I've got some examples of what I'm talking about here. Dealing with bitterness. This is an article by Anne Peterson. I don't know if anybody, if that name rings a bell, but she's a writer, a speaker, and an author. And she is writing about a conversation or a relationship she's had with another lady. Jenny Strong was 92 years old when she died. For the 50 years that I knew Jenny, she told the story over and over of a time her sister would not give her the dollar that she needed to buy a pair of shoes. Her details made it seem like the offence happened just days ago. She retold the story so many times she had memorised every tidbit and one message came through loud and clear she would never forgive her sister for withholding that dollar from her. Like a magnet, the story pulled her back 
into her hurt and injustice. Bitterness starts out small. An offence burrows its way into our hearts. We replay it in our minds, creating deep ruts that will be hard to build back up. We retell our hurts to any available listener, including each sordid detail. We enlist support, pushing us further into resentment. We hear the offending person's name and we cringe. Started a little tiny thing that long, a dollar, not being able to buy a pair of shoes that she wanted and she held that in her mind and in her heart and it became her. How sad. And we think, oh, well, that wouldn't happen to me. But, you know, sometimes we hide the fact that we can hold on to things not let them go and we don't realise the hurt that it's doing to us and we just think well we've got a memory about something that happened and it's all right I'll take care of it. What is bitterness? It's feeling angry and hurt and resentful because of one's bad experience, a sense of unjust treatment, inner emotional feelings of deep sorrow or outwardly directed anger that cries out for revenge. And that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4.31. He's talking about bitter hatred, something that starts out small, but it grows with time when we don't deal with it appropriately and the way we should. Bitterness is not something that happens overnight. It's something that is complex multi-layered emotions. You know what, when we've got vegetable scraps and we put it in a pile and when we first throw it out, it's, it's fresh. But after time, we watch it and what happens? It starts to deteriorate and it ferments and it takes on a different character. Bitterness is like that. It starts out small But over time it ferments and becomes a totally different character. But that character can be you, it can be me. That I've allowed this fermenting to take place over time in my life. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, the Hebrew writer warns us to see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. Roots, what are they? They're those things below the surface, unseen. They feed, shape and control the outcome of the tree. And if we're talking about the root of bitterness, it's those unseen little things that we we take in and we don't deal with properly, but they are gradually fermenting or they're gradually growing to where they change what we're like. They change our character, they change our attitude, they change our purpose in life. 
I want to go back and, and, and uh, revisit uh, Nathan, where are you? You used a lot of my material the other day when you were talking about anger, but it's all right because I'm, I just want to go back and, and revisit Cain and Abel back in Genesis chapter 4 and we see a process that takes place. Cain and Abel, the children of Adam and Eve, they had their jobs, they were adults. Abel looked after sheep on the land. Cain tilled the soil and and he was a farmer and, and he produced crops, whatever they were. And in the process of time, and and I'm assuming according to what God had asked them to do, they offered a gift back to God, a sacrifice, an offering back to God. And Abel's offering was of the sheep and the fat of the lamb that he had bred. And God was pleased with that offering. But for Cain, he offered something from the soil, the vegetables, the crops, whatever, And God wasn't particularly pleased with what Cain offered. Now, if God had instructed them what to offer and they didn't listen to God and they didn't offer to God what he wanted, is it unreasonable that God didn't accept that? No. The problem was Cain resented Abel because of his perceived favoritism from God on Abel and as time went on the opportunity arose for something drastic to happen first of all it was clear to God that Cain had changed in character he asked Cain what's your problem why has your countenance changed? Why, why are you different now to what you were before? Sin is crouching at the door. Sin is about to overcome you. But, he said, you need to master it. You need to take control. You need to act and deal with the situation. But unfortunately, bitterness comes when people don't deal with the situation, they let it ferment. They let it smoulder in their mind, in their heart and in their attitude. And so Cain has, has had time to think about what's gone on. God favours Abel. That's not fair. The opportunity arises, they're out in the field and Cain starts talking with Abel and, and no doubt it boils over. And Cain kills Abel. That's the fruit of bitterness. And we might say, I wouldn't kill anybody. I don't, I don't you know, I'm, I'm not about to, just because I, I'm mad with Steve about something that he's done to me, I'm not about to, to kill him. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, hate is as bad as killing. Cain was already at that point of killing when God said, you need to deal with it. You need to handle the situation appropriately. Don't let it get out of hand. But Cain didn't follow the instruction and we know the end result. 
Actions have consequences. But you know what? Inaction also has consequences. If we do nothing about problems that we've got or a feeling of resentment to somebody because of some event that occurred or something that was said or something that was done, if we don't deal with that appropriately, we will regret it, as Cain did. Cain was a marked man for the rest of his life. And because he was marked, he was then feeling sorry for himself. Why was me? Because everybody's going to know that I've done the wrong thing. And, and God said, no, I'll make sure that nobody kills you or anything like that. But yes, you will be a marked person. Actions have consequences. And so Paul says, never let it get to the stage where our anger and resentment becomes bitterness. Put that off. Deal with it appropriately. Why does bitterness occur? Well, putting it simply, it's ignoring the God-given principles for good, healthy living and relationships. You know, we're... We're constantly hearing that we turn on the television and we we hear about another youth crime or another domestic violence incident and people are saying, why is this happening? Well, we've got a book here that's a book of principles, a book that tells us how to deal with life situations, a book that tells us how to deal with relationships But we can close that book and ignore the instructions and the encouragement. Then we have the consequences for not doing what we're called to do. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And we say, well, you know, it's hard to love Martin or it's hard to love somebody. How do you think God feels when he looks down at us. How do you think Jesus felt when he looked down at the world, looked over the world and saw the sin and still said, I'll go through with the cross. Jesus didn't say, it's too hard, I don't care. He said, I'm willing to do what it takes. In Matthew 6 and 12, Jesus said, Forgive as we are forgiven. Forgive as we ask for forgiveness. Colossians 3.13, Forgive each other just as the Lord forgave us. Resentment, which can lead to bitterness, is like poison. It slowly kills you. And someone said resentment is like taking slow doses of poison and hoping that the other person gets sick. And that's a bit dumb, isn't it? A bit dumb. Let me read you another true story. A preacher was called to to the bedside of a dying man. He was a man who nobody liked. He, He was hard, bitter and sullen. He lived in a tumble-down shack on the edge of town 
and when he went into town, he made it clear that he didn't want to speak to anyone and he didn't want anyone to speak to him. Even the children ran away from him. And people wondered what had made him so bitter and mean. Some thought he had a guilty secret. Others were sure that he had committed some terrible crime and that he was a fugitive from justice, but they were all wrong. The simple truth was, when he was a young man, a friend had done him him a grievous wrong and he was so angry about it that he said, I'll remember it until my dying day. And he did. He said to the preacher who sat at his bedside, I've gone over it every morning. I've thought about it every night. I've cursed that man a hundred times a day. And gasping for breath, he continued, I see now that my bitterness has eaten out my soul. My hate has hurt nobody but myself. But God knows that it has turned my life into hell. You see what we're saying about bitterness? If it's not dealt with, it can eat your life away. Eat your purpose away. It just eats your character away. It's like carrying an ever-increasing burden that achieves nothing. You climb the hill and the load gets heavier and people say, get rid of the load, and you say, oh, no, I want to carry that load. That's what it's like when we carry bitterness in our mind and in our heart. So how do we deal with bitterness? Number one, take ownership. Realise that if we've been weighed down with ill feeling or hatred or resentment towards somebody or over an event that has occurred that we can't change... Ask ourselves, what are we achieving? Nothing. Only hurting and destroying ourselves. Don't dwell on the past. Look at the positives in life. Look at what you can be, not what you're allowing yourself to become. Do a self-analysis. And ask yourself the question, what have I done that it could have hurt other people? How has my actions affected other people? It's not just about me, it's about us. It's about relationship. Don't set yourself up as the judge of other people's actions Just be concerned about your own actions. In Romans 12 and verse 19, God says, leave the judging to me. I will take vengeance. And the trouble is, we want to take things into our hands and we get all hot and bothered about something that somebody else has done when we ought to leave that to God to deal with and just be concerned about what we do in our life. So how do we deal with bitterness? Well, 
The next verse, we, we read Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, where we're told to put these things off, starting with bitterness, but then the answer to our question, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. One word, forgiving, forgiving. Learn to forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven you, forgiven me. Too often people say, I can't forgive, when actually they're saying, I'm not willing to forgive. If Jesus can forgive you for everything that you do wrong, you can forgive when somebody else has done you wrong. Let me read another true story to show, to illustrate what uh, this point. Forgiving another person can be hard, really hard. During a routine sweep of Central Park, NYPD officer Stephen MacDonald was shot in the back of the head three times by a 15-year-old kid. Because of that one momentary act of violence, Stephen has spent the last 28 years confined to a wheelchair, a quadriplegic. Since that day, he has been extremely limited in what he can do. He hasn't held his wife in two decades, hasn't held, his, or, hasn't held or played ball with his son, who was born in just a few months after the accident. But Stephen has done one thing. He forgave that guy. Now, before I read the rest of it, think about if you've got resentment, if you've got a feeling of hatred toward anybody and you're hanging on to it, yourself in this guy's shoes. His life changed in a split second from being a healthy, employed policeman, husband, soon to be father, no doubt active and healthy, to a quadriplegic. How would you feel toward that 15-year-old kid? He said, I forgave Shabod because 
I believe the only thing worse than receiving a bullet in my spine would have been to nurture revenge in my heart. Such an attitude would have extended (coughs) my injury to my soul, hurting my wife, my son and others even more. It's bad enough that the physical effects are permanent, but at least I can choose to prevent spiritual injury. I have come to realise that anger is a wasted emotion. So I ask the question again, how do I deal with bitterness? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's a pretty powerful story, but it's a real story. Three different individuals, three different ways that those people dealt with a bitter situation in their life. Think about Joseph in the Old Testament. We know the whole the story about Joseph, so we don't need to go through it all over again. He was uh, betrayed and sold into slavery by his brothers sent to a foreign country to grow up away from his family, thrown into prison on a false accusation and he comes face to face eventually with his brothers after many years. Put yourself in Joseph's situation. What an opportunity. Finally, I've got them on a string and I can do whatever I want to do to my brothers who betrayed me, who did everything to me, he could have been as bitter as for all the experience that he had. And when they were begging for forgiveness, knowing that their life was in the hands of Joseph now and he could have done whatever he wanted because of his position of authority, and what did he say? You meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. There was no bitterness. There was forgiveness. What a story. And if that's not enough to convince us that forgiveness is a possibility and a reality, what about Jesus as he hung on the cross? Hounded since birth by his enemies, criticised constantly for doing the right thing, betrayed and abandoned by his closest friends, nailed to a Roman cross for no crime that he'd committed. And we heard the excellent presentation from Ray about Jesus hanging on the cross. As he looks down there, And he sees the Roman soldiers and their mockery. He sees the religious leaders and their glee that they've gotten rid of this troublemaker. He sees the spectators that are just jeering on because they want to see another crucifixion. He sees all of these horrible things And 
And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We can't change the past. And whatever might have happened in our life and whatever feelings we might have about somebody or some event in our life, if we can't change it, don't dwell on it. Look to the future. Be positive. Get rid of those things that are holding us back. Dwelling on the past stops you from moving into the future. It robs you of life. We saw the illustrations from the the, the old guy that just dwelt on it for all of his life and then at the conclusion realised what a waste of time and a waste of life. Bitterness saps the joy out of life, but forgiveness opens up new perspectives on life. You can't control what people do, what other people do, but you can control how you respond. I think the words of Tina Turner, she passed away recently. We all know who Tina Turner was, a great singer and and actor and everything, entertainer. She went through some pretty traumatic experiences in her life but came out of those experiences and and was pretty successful toward the end of her life. And somebody asked her, how did you deal with all that's gone on? Apparently she had a bad childhood and then a domestic violence situation in her marriage and, and, and worked through all of that. And pretty much her words were, I learned to let go, move on, and just love life more. And if we want to get over a bitter problem that we've got in life, let go, move on, and love life. That's what we're here for, not to dwell on a bad situation. Thank you.